Michael, this is all very confusing. The first six months of the year was one of the worst ever for the stock market. But since June 16th, stocks have reversed course. Is this an indication that we've weathered the storm and good times are ahead, or is this just the market toying with our emotions? I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today, I have Chief Investment Officer Michael Sorrentino and Senior Financial Advisor Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions, comments, or maybe a suggestion for a topic for our next episode, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And if you like our show, please show your support and hit that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. It really does help us in continuing to bring quality content to the show each week. So please hit that follow button. So this was a topic for Tino's blog article this week. And for anyone who wants to read that article, feel free to head over to www.darwinwealth.com and check out our insights page. I'll also include a link to the article in our podcast summary. So I think it makes sense to talk about a few reasons for the volatility and what some might call the collapse of the market in 2022. So Tino, why don't you lay a little groundwork for us? Yeah, the first six months pretty much sucked. It was a tough thing. You know, we, we went through something that we hadn't seen. Uh, it, well, it depends on how you look at the data, but um, it, it, we haven't seen something like that really ever. I mean, if you take a textbook 60-40 portfolio where you take 60% into stocks, 40% into bonds, the first six months of, of the year, that portfolio was down over 16%. Now, remember, this is a quote-unquote moderate allocation, meaning that it's not supposed to do that. For scale, the second worst six-month start to the year uh, was in, obviously in 2008 when the financial crisis was happening, and it was down 6%. Okay, So you're talking almost you know, more than double uh, the amount of pain that we experienced. And you, know, you asked why that was happening. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that uh, it's a bit of a, you know, a reversion to the mean of sorts. You know, think about what happened in 2020 and 2021. You know, the government was sending out checks in the mail. There was this crazy monetary policy that was going around. People were spending money that they didn't really, you know, frankly, uh, earn. It, you know, all the gains that we saw in, in those two years leading into 2022, they were artificial. They weren't real. They weren't generated by the economy. So at some point, we were going to have to give those back. And uh, I think what really caught everybody off guard is the speed at which they were given back. And uh, you know, in my, my career, I don't think I've seen, frankly, a more violent six-month period, particularly when the economy was still pretty strong. So right around the beginning of the year, obviously, we start to see some volatility. Market starts to tank. Everybody starts going nuts. You know, the media jumps on it and you know, makes things worse, as is typical. You know, but June 16th hits, we start to see a reversal. Tino, is this really a cause for celebration or, you know, is, is this just a bear market rally? Yeah, see, that's the big debate right now is that, it, you know, did we see a bottom or is this, like you said, another bear market rally, which I think is worth defining. You know, if you're in a bear market, which is typically a, you know, call it a drawdown of 20% or more, you tend to see these pockets of rallies along the way where they give you a lot of false hope. We had one back in, what was it, April or so, somewhere in that range. And it was kind of right between that correction time and then the kind of the panic phase to your point that we went through in early June. I think there's some merit to this idea that we could have seen a bottom. Yeah, I think there's a couple indicators out right now that it might be giving us a little bit of false hope, but I do think that there's some merit to the potential of some type of a bottom that's formed. So here's my question. You know, I, these false rallies, to me, seem like they're pretty short-lived. You know, it's been six or seven weeks now, right? It's been a little bit of, I don't want to call it sustained just yet for fear of, of being wrong. I don't want to jinx it, right? And we all are superstitious in this business, unfortunately. 
But, you know, six weeks or seven weeks of, uh, you know, fairly steadily upward movement, you know, it does seem to me to be a little more than a, than a false rally. I don't know. What do you think? So, you know, what's funny about that, Mike, is that, you know, usually when, when you see, you know, a little bit of uh, positive movement, you know, you see the media jump on it, just like, you know, with the negative movement, right? It's like anything that happens, the media jumps on it. Yeah. But one thing I noticed this time is I really haven't seen much in regards to, uh, you know, headlines of the markets turning around, you know, the, the we've hit the bottom, blah, 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 whatever. I haven't seen any of that until maybe about a week ago. So we went like a full month, you know, we're seeing some positive movement, in no headlines, though, almost nothing until maybe about a week ago. I mean, everybody's afraid to be positive, right? It's so easy. We talked about it in a, in a podcast, right? Negativity sounds more intelligent than positivity, right? So everybody's afraid to be positive, even us. Right? You know, even us, we're, we're sitting here, we're saying, you know, we don't want to call a bottom yet. We're tentative, blah, blah, blah. You know, so maybe that's part of it. We're just a little afraid to sort of read the tea leaves here. So Tina, you actually talk about a few indicators that really support the fact that maybe we have really seen the bottom in your article. Why don't you jump into a few of those? Yeah, the first one I'd say is inflation. We keep getting these bad inflation reports, but uh, I think there's a lot of data out there to indicate that we we may have just peaked in inflation or, or we're right at the peak. I mean, I'm sure, uh, Mike and Remy, you guys are, are driving your cars these days, and I mean, the, the gas is down. I mean, it may not be completely translated through the rest of the country, but you know, a month ago, gas was at 502 a gallon. It was a record high, and now it's down to about $4.15, give or take. That's a pretty far drop. Wheat down 37% since mid-May. Corn's down 27% since mid-June. Shipping stuff from Asia to the United States, 10, 11% lower than it was a month ago. And these are just a couple of key data points. You know, kind of the broader theme here is that a lot of these input costs are coming down. And I know this gets a little geeky, but the other problem has been the money supply. You know, you think about what the government did over the last two years. They increased the money supply by 40%. You know, again, think about when, where inflation comes from. When you take the supply of something and keep the demand fixed, uh, or sorry, when you increase the supply, rather, the price goes down, right? So you, that's typically where you see inflation coming from. And this year, hopefully we could stay on track, but we're seeing a much slower rate of growth in the money supply. So that's a very big deal because over time, that's going to be what really normalizes us back to a normal inflation rate. So inflation is a big deal right now. And, and I don't know, you tell me, I mean, are, are we seeing prices come down yet? It's funny you say that because I literally stopped to get gas this morning and it was five fifty one a gallon. You know, I usually don't even notice, you know, I mean, not that I don't notice at the price, but I usually just don't look, you know, you pull up, you get your gas and it is what it is and, and whatever. But for whatever reason this morning, I, I guess I knew that we were going to record this episode. So, you know, I, I looked at gas price and it's five fifty one. I, I, you know, I couldn't believe it. I was actually at a gas station maybe two or three weeks ago and I never really pay much attention. You know, they have the cash price and the credit card price. And I saw one that was a dollar a gallon more for credit. Whoa. Wow. A dollar. I've never seen that, right? I, I, I mean, that's, that is the whole greedflation thing, right? There's no reason, you know, that, that can't be pinned to anything, but somebody's got to just try to take advantage of the fact that, you know, you're not really paying attention, just automatically using a credit card. So what's wild is to contrast that, oddly enough, I actually checked that this morning too. Again, I never look at the price of the gas, but as long as I was looking, I checked it out. And I also saw something I've never seen, which is that it was the same price. There was no difference between the cash and the credit. That's funny. The opposite of what I what I experienced. Yeah. So Tino, back to what you were talking about, though. You know, when we were talking about inflation, you know, when they first started reporting these really high inflation numbers, we were talking a lot about certain things, sort of skewing those numbers. You know, gas prices, 
car prices, those kinds of things. So what you know what you're talking about now are some of those same things that seem to be dropping, you know, pretty quickly. So it'll be interesting to see if the overall inflation number drops exponentially the way it rose. What do you think? I think in some areas it will. Remember this, like you said, there's kind of the headline number and then there's core inflation, right? So the headline number has food and energy in it. Those are very volatile sectors, but I think the longer term trends, what we could see is, you know, there's a saying in the commodities market that the cure for high prices is high prices, right? So I think what we're seeing here is some demand destruction along the way. So it's not just some of these supply chain pressures that are coming down. If you, you remember those reports at the beginning of the year about all those big ships off the coast of uh, was it L.A. and Long Beach that they couldn't dock because there was there were no workers and stuff like that, right? So like if you order refrigerator is going to take a year to get because they can't get it over here. A lot of the supply chain constraints are gone. I mean the, the port traffic is back to quote unquote normal. So. It's not like flipping a light switch. It's not going to change everything overnight. But when you take all the stuff in aggregate, I do think that we're going to start seeing inflation come down quite a bit. Now, is it going to fall like a rock to 2% like it was pre-lockdowns? I don't think so because that money supply issue is still hanging out there. But I wouldn't be surprised by the end of this year to be back down to maybe, I'm making this up, maybe 6% inflation, somewhere in that range. And then maybe a year from now, Maybe closer to the four to five percent, and that that could be a potential, you know, long term average for maybe a couple of years until the money supply rectifies itself. So, when you know, we're talking about, uh, I guess, the thing that sparked this conversation is your blog piece this week, and, and in your blog piece, for those that that read it regularly, you you regularly put charts in there, and there's one in there that shows the worst six month periods uh, for what about forty years, I guess, or fifty years, and uh, the thing that sort of jumped out to me is that if you look at this thing. Five. I'm looking at it while we're talking. Uh, six of the top seven worst six month periods were all related to 08, 09, right? You know, and then there's probably four or five more that are related to 1974. It's just interesting that the results from those six month periods can be dramatically different when they're really only a month off, right? September mm-hmm. 08 to February 09 results are dramatically different than. August away to January one night. It's really only a one month shift. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that that shows you just how volatile those time periods really, really were. I mean, and that's that's actually pretty common. What you tend to see in highly volatile, particularly bear market rallies, are the best days of the market tend to be in the worst times. So, yeah, you could be off by a couple of days, or frankly, a couple of weeks. And your kind of forward return in such a small time period. Remember, six months isn't that much time, but it could be dramatically different based upon kind of where you put that you know, stake in the ground. Well, what did we have? Like a, an eight or nine percent recovery just in the last month in the Nasdaq, right? So this is probably going to be one of those times. So if you look at you know whatever the prior six months was, you shift it back a month, you're going to see a dramatically different result. Correct. I'll put some hard numbers on that, right? So since mid-June, June 16th, like Remy said, was kind of the what we're thinking may have been the bottom. If that holds, uh, the S&P 500 is up 13% since then. The NASDAQ is up about 20% since then. Uh, July was the best month for the S&P 500 since 2020, and um, it was actually the fifth best month in the last 30 years. I mean, Remy, you're right. It got no press. Like We heard nothing about it. And ironically, that's one of the reasons why I'm optimistic that this really could be a bottom because bottoms happen when we don't think they're happening, right? When you see a very sharp, fast rally like we saw in, I think it was late March or early April, it doesn't stick, right? It's like anything else. You want it to build kind of a slow, deep foundation and that takes time for it to happen. 
So I do think that there's some um, validity around a, a potential bottom here because a lot of the fundamental dynamics are taking shape. So Tino, in your piece, you talk about the Federal Reserve trying to execute a soft landing. So can you explain what a soft landing is and, and maybe contrast with what a hard landing is? So a hard landing is what happens every single time the Fed tries to do a soft landing. That's the short version. So <laughs> Is that the official definition? <laughs> I think so. I mean, now, look, so, so if you think about what the Fed's trying to do right now, they, they are trying to slow down the economy. They're trying to slow down inflation more than anything else. So what they do is they're kind of their lever to pull uh, is to raise interest rates. So by raising interest rates, it makes things more expensive to buy. And in an economy where 88% of our economy is effectively spending... 70% of that's consumer spending. The other 18% is business spending. When you raise the cost of borrowing money, it slows down the economy. So the goal of the Fed right now is, okay, let's slow down the economy. Let's drive inflation back to where we want to see it, but let's not take it so far that we put the, the economy into a deep recession like they've done every, almost every single time in the past. That's the idea of a soft landing. A hard landing is when they take it too far. And... You know, I don't want to sound like I'm defending the Fed per se, but it is this, what they're doing. Monetary policy decisions are very difficult because if you raise interest rates, generally speaking, it takes about a year for that hike to kind of work its way through the economy. So you really kind of you're tweaking things, and then you're sitting back and waiting to see, okay, did we go too far? Did we go enough? It's a very difficult process. I think this time I'm somewhat encouraged because I, I think the Fed really does not want a recession. They're just trying to get inflation under control. Because if you look at the economy right now, it's not terrible. I mean, unemployment's uh, really low. I mean, there's two jobs for every one person looking right now. Manufacturing is fine. It's not great, but it's fine. We're seeing decent consumer spending. So across the board, I wouldn't say we're necessarily in a recession. I don't think the Fed wants to change that too much, but they do want to bring down the inflation. I just don't know if they can. So nobody has a crystal ball. But bottom line, is this the start of some positive movement? Or is this just the market playing mind games with us. I think there's a high probability that this could be a bottom. Uh, you know, we talk about a lot of the dynamics already, but there's also something else that we need to discuss, and that's sentiment. We've seen a massive sentiment shift. Go back to the, some of the earnings we've seen over the past couple of weeks, right? I could go through a, a bunch of them, PayPal, Coinbase, Shopify, all these like high-growth, crazy meme stocks from, from 2021, even that ARK ETF, right? They're all ripping right now on negative news or not so great news, right? So when you see that, contrast that to maybe three months ago when you know Target had a not so great quarter, all right? It was down 26% in one day, okay? A major overreaction. Today, negative news is causing stock prices to go up. What that tells me is that there was so much negativity baked into the market over the past several weeks leading into June that the stock market is now anticipating I guess, better times. Because remember, the stock market is anticipatory. The reason why the market was getting hammered so hard the first half of the year, it was a pricing in a recession, okay? It was pricing in an economic downturn. All right, so at some point, the market is going to start pricing in a recovery. And it's going to do that way before the recovery actually begins, typically six to nine months. So I do think that there is a possibility that the market is starting to price in that recovery sometime maybe late next year. So my version of that is, it just feels different right now, right? Than it felt a month or so ago, you know? And that's just based on my own personal observation, which is, you know, we've talked about this a million times, right? I'm, I'm client facing. The commentary that I'm hearing from clients, the things that they're saying, the things that they're referring to, I wouldn't say is necessarily super positive, 
but it's far, far, far less negative and, and far less sort of panicky than it was a month or so ago. And listen, you know, a good month, I guess, will do that. It's interesting when we talk about soft landing, hard landing, as though these are very definitive, absolute things. But they're really not, right? We're sort of in a business of degrees of things, but we talk about them as though they're very specific. You know, we had a hard landing yesterday at two o'clock. And that's really not what it is. It just tends to be, as you said, you know, sort of a shift in sentiment that happens sort of slowly. And it does feel a lot better to me. So that's my bottom line. I, I do think that we've probably seen the worst of it. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.